Is it just me or does Christmas keep starting earlier and earlier every year? I mean, when I was growing up, I know it's been a while, but we never got out any Christmas ornaments until the day after Thanksgiving. We didn't even give it a thought. But now it seems like as soon as October 31st flies off the calendar, forget about Thanksgiving, let's just get right to Christmas. I mean, on November 3rd, Starbucks brought out the taste of Christmas, right? And we were all waiting in a very long line for our peppermint mochas, our chestnut pralines, our toasted white chocolate mocha, and our caramel brulee latte. I mean, what's Christmas without the Starbucks taste in our mouth, waiting with our hands around those warm cups? You see, it's natural for us. We want to prepare for this season. It's fun. We love it. We want to get out all of our trees and our ornaments because we have figured out if we start earlier, we can make this thing last longer. We love it. And there's nothing wrong with that. But this morning, I just want to invite us inside the church and to see the stark difference there is in preparing for the season. You see, in the church, preparing for the season is called Advent. It means waiting. And it begins four Sundays before Christmas. It's natural. We, we, for, for Christians preparing for Christmas, and we come inside and we don't hear these happy songs and we don't see a lot of bright lights. In fact, we see darkness. And the songs that we sing often are in these sad minor keys. And the scriptures that we read are often apocalyptic and trippy. And the colors that we see are not the ones that we see in the stores, red and green. No, they are blue and purple, representing the royalty that is to come in the form of a king and the repentance that he brings. In Advent, waiting for the light to come is a slow process It's not like going into the room and just flipping on the switch and getting light whenever we want it. You see, traditionally in the church, and you see this, that each Sunday a family is invited to come up and we light one candle each Sunday, slowly bringing the light into the darkness. It reminds me of of one of my favorite things to do is to watch a sunrise. How many like to watch the sunrise? I love it. But if you want to get the full effect of it, you have to get up early and sit in the darkness. I did that this morning. I sat right here on this front row and I sat in the darkness. And you wait and you look at the night sky and slowly things begin to change. You will often see the colors of red and yellow. And soon that sun begins to peep over the horizon, either, either over the ocean, but here in Indiana, it's over our cornfields, isn't it? And the sun begins to rise and we see this pinkish hue and the clouds look like cotton candy. And soon... 
the light begins to fill the night sky, turning darkness to light. A few weeks ago, Pastor Steve mentioned that the Advent season, we are actually in the middle of the Christmas, of the Christian story. You see, we are waiting for hope and two arrivals. One has already come and changed the history by bringing this new covenant to mankind. But we are now still waiting for one to come who will come and change and make all things new, like we've heard this morning. And so we're in the middle. And in the middle, it's messy. And between the two bright lights of Advent, hope, there are a lot of things that cast shadows. There are a lot of things that make us feel like we are in exile, that feel hopeless, that cause us to question God's goodness, his power, or his existence. Where are you, God? Things are really messy. Do you see this? But the Advent season reminds us and asks us to do something very important, and that is to stand and watch as the darkness draws near and gives witness to the victory of light in the darkness and to stand in the beams of light and to see all things be made new, even in the darkness. Throughout the biblical narrative, light and darkness have appeared in the lives of God's people. You'll see it. You read it and you see it, light and then darkness, light, and then darkness, much like what we experience each and every day. You see, in the beginning, this morning we read that God was in the darkness, and God spoke into the darkness, inviting light to come from the darkness. Genesis chapter 1. But it's not long before in Genesis chapter 3, Darkness comes as sin entered the world. As Adam and Eve were deceived to believe that they could hide in, their, in the darkness in their sin. John's gospel describes it well in chapter 3 when he says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. You see, God created the world in which he would impart his wisdom upon us and help us to learn to walk in light and darkness. But humanity desired the folly of trusting in their own wisdom. I got this. I found a quicker, easier way. You see, they were deceived to believe that they could hide their sin in the darkness. To walk in the way of folly is to deny God and walk in one's own wisdom. Wisdom is a way that we walk through life and we trust, the pers- we trust to know and to live out God's truth. But a life of folly holds this pursuit of truth and contempt as we seek to go our own way. 
A life of wisdom or folly comes from more than just the individual decisions that we make. It comes from our approach to how we walk this journey of life, whether we walk in light or darkness. You see, wisdom can guide us in both light and darkness. So the redemptive story of light and darkness continues out the biblical narrative as God inserts God's self in the darkness. It's sort of a waxing and a waning. Have you ever been on a dark night and the moon is so bright that you can see everything? But on other nights, it's just a sliver and we can hardly see anything. See, I don't believe that light and darkness exist so much in opposition as they do in balance. Even in our own lives, science tells us that we need both light and darkness to be really healthy. I wonder if this could even be true in our own spiritual lives. Light can be a symbol of salvation, spiritual growth, and discernment. But I believe it can only be understood and appreciated when we compare and contrast it with the darkness. What is light without darkness? You see, as much as we want to rush into the Christmas season and turn, out, turn on the lights and, and open our gifts, I believe that Advent invites us to move more slowly into the darkness of the season and open gifts even found in the darkness. You see, darkness is not a barrier to God. Psalm 139, it tells us this. The psalmist writes, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light becomes night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for the darkness is light to you. And just a few verses later, it says that you and I were even formed in the darkness of our mother's wombs. To say gifts in the darkness may sound strange to some of us, but I don't think it's strange in the Bible. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You see, in Isaiah's time, it was filled with people who loved darkness so that they can engage in all kinds of evil like idolatry and injustice and rebellion. And those are still prevalent in our world today. We too in our culture are experiencing those who love evil deeds done in darkness as we experience a world filled with conflict and hate and violence and selfishness. But I believe that Advent creates this space for our pain and it reminds us that all of us in some way have been hit by this evil, but that we've also been contributors to it, creating our own moments of impatience, selfishness, and unkindness. The gifts of love, joy, Peace and hope are minimalized if we don't first recognize and acknowledge the pain and the wreckage of the world. 
So you may be asking, where are these gifts in the darkness? I believe throughout the Bible, it shows us where God shows up in the darkness, both in the physical darkness and in our spiritual darkness. In the darkness, we find the gift of guidance. It's difficult to walk in the darkness. I remember a few years ago, I was invited on a vacation and I didn't know this, but we were going to an island. And so when we get to this place, we go shopping for all of our groceries and they said, yeah, the boat's gonna pick us up. It's the first time I've ever done this. This boat picks us up. We put all of our luggage in, all of our groceries for the week. It takes us out to this island and I was so excited. We, we unpacked everything. We put it in our little vacation home. And I looked at my watch. And another thing I love to do is to watch the sunset. And so I thought, I'm not going to miss it. So I went down to the shore and I sat and I waited. And I watched that sun go down. And it was beautiful. And God showed off his glory in that beautiful sky. And then it was dark. And I mean really dark because I really hadn't given much thought that the light poles that were on the mainland wouldn't stretch out to this island. There were no street lights. It was really, really dark. It was probably the darkest I had ever experienced. And I remember walking on the... the um, the path, and I would take my feet and I would put them out because I was really afraid I was gonna step on a snake or some critter. I put my hand in front of me. I could not even see it because I was afraid that I was gonna run into a tree. I was worried and it wasn't, it was, it's a few years ago. So I really didn't have my phone with me and I certainly didn't bring a flashlight because I was too excited to watch the sunset. But suddenly a woman appeared on the path and thank God she had a flashlight. And she led me back to my vacation home. And I was ever so grateful for that light. You see, in the darkness, we cannot help ourselves. We need someone to guide us to the light. And in Exodus chapter 13, we read, and you remember how God guided his people in the desert as as Pharaoh let his people go and they went into the desert, it says that God led his people by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And it never left the presence of his people in front of them. It guided them. You see, as we walk this life, often our eyes are unable to see in the darkness and we do not know where to go without God's light guiding us. Jesus tells his disciples right before his death about this light. Listen to what he says. My light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in darkness cannot see where they are going, but put your trust in the light. Then you will become children of light. God not only guides us in the light, but he asks for us to be the light for others. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp in the middle of the room or do, and put a basket on it, but they put it on a stand. So it lights the entire world. So you too, church, are called to be the light of the world. In the darkness... We hear God's promise 
of deliverance. Again, in the book of Exodus, right in the next chapter, we read how God spoke deliverance to his people from slavery in Egypt when he dried up the Red Sea. And what time of day was this? At night, in the darkness. You see, they had gone through the desert and they were at the Red Sea. And the Israelites look around and they see they are surrounded by the Egyptians. And they say to Moses, now, what have you done? We would have died in Egypt, but you bring us out here to die. We would have stayed there and been slaves. Moses says, hold on. You just hold on your britches because God is gonna show off his glory right here. You need only to trust and to be still. And Moses said, and God said to Moses, stretch out your staff and put your hand over the sea. And we read where he parted the waters to the right and to the left. And that night the people walked across dry land and they were delivered. What is freedom without bondage? Even in our own lives, Paul describes in Colossians how we are delivered from the darkness, for he has rescued us in the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. What is forgiveness without sin? These are the gifts that we ponder as we search inside ourselves in the silent nights of discover and discover how we were hopeless in the darkness, but God, he came and brought us the promise of deliverance. And then light came in the form of his son, Jesus, to save us. The greatest act of love for the world began in the darkness. As Jesus himself experienced the darkness of abandonment, At noon, darkness fell across the whole land. And at three o'clock, Jesus cries out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? How many of us in this room have felt that very thing in the darkness? It was his love for us that led him to the darkness of the cross and to the tomb. The gift of salvation, my friends, comes to us in the darkness. As the Advent season invites us into the darkness to discover the greatest gifts ever given to us, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those who were living in the shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And he shall be named, church, say his names with me. Wonderful counselor, say them. Mighty God, everlasting father, and the prince of peace. Did you hear the good news? A child is born in the darkness Consider Isaiah's words spoken into the darkness that God would bring a Messiah and God did bring a Messiah. What is more, mighty God brought God's self, the everlasting father to bring salvation and the wonderful counselor who brings us the deepest comfort 
and the Prince's peace who brings us the truest peace our hearts long for, the one who can satisfy our deepest longings and hunger. We do not need to fear the darkness. God is there. The prophet Micah says, do not rejoice over me, enemy of mine. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I live in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. As I was preparing this sermon, I kept seeing your faces. My friends who I have watched go through dark times. And as I have watched you allow the light to come into those dark times and that light shone from the darkness in your own life. I asked some of you to even write to me and share with me about those times. And so this morning, I would like to read a testimony of one of our congregants. As I contemplate times of darkness in my life, one of the greatest gifts was the vulnerability and sensitivity it created. Often that sensitivity made me aware of tiny flickers of goodness and light because things did feel so dark. In those seasons, I began to go on prayer retreats, and my memories of those times away are so sacred of sleeping, praying, reading, journaling, walking. They were a conduit to the light of God. Community was another way through which God exhibited life. When my life felt hopeless and when the burden of grief seemed too heavy to bear, Friends shared the load. They helped with my children. They brought meals. They prayed for me. They spent time with me and invited me into their lives. They radiated light. Worshiping at College Church was a gift in the darkness, partly because the staff intentionally created spaces for lament and grief. Especially during lament, I remember taking communion with tears streaming down my face. Although I would not have chosen it. The grief and darkness provided a connection with the suffering of Christ. It was a reminder that the world is messy, but that God entered the mess and is with us in the mess and the darkness. And that is exactly how he sent his son in the dark of the night, in a dirty stable, in a complicated relational situation. God is comfortable with the darkness, perhaps because darkness is as light to him, or perhaps because our eyes are desperately searching for light when it is scarce. This morning, church, I thought it was fitting that as a church body together, that we would sit in the darkness for a little while. And as we sit in the darkness of the Advent season with the hope and the peace and the love and the joy of Christ, I pray that we would ponder our own sinfulness and remember that Christ, the light, is our Redeemer. And as we feel the darkness and we feel the crises all around us engulf us, may we remember that God is our protector and deliverer. And even in the darkest of death, 
God grants us eternal life. We may weep in the darkness, but joy comes in the morning.